Welcome to Deconstructing Damsels, where we discuss the women in romance books and how much they're awesome, or how much they're anti, or how much the author really needs a brand new idea of how to create a compelling woman within romance. Today, we're going to have a little bit of a unusual noise balance because I have the cats eating in my room because I've recently moved. Hopefully that will help me create a better product for you guys since I'm not going to be worrying and having to go to the library and stuff like that because we have internet here. Again, pardon any jingle, jingle, jingle. My cats are jingle, jingle, jingling at the same time as well. And Lobo doesn't go very far without Mama right now. So, today's episode will feature Wicked in the Wallflower by Sarah McLean. And I got it on Amazon for $1.99. I'm going to discuss the book. I'm going to also have the featured podcast and the promo. I'm also going to ask you guys to do me a little favor and catch me on Twitter. And please let me know what books you think I should read. Because I'm actually going to have more guests coming on in the next several months. Because again, I'm here and I have access to Spectrum Internet. So it's a lot easier for me guys to talk to you guys and kind of get that idea out. So if you want to be a guest, if you want to talk things that someone would be a really cool guest please let me know i also want to thank jen ellens on twitter for telling me what she enjoys about this podcast because it really helped me create a better product and i want you guys to be involved in this if i wanted to hear myself talk i can do that all day long trust me talking is not a problem for me ask anyone that sees me at work when i'm in retailing life I'm glad that you guys are enjoying it. I'm glad that you guys are feedbacking with me. It means a lot. And there's a lot that's been going on in my life lately that I haven't really been talking about. But having these conversations the past like three weeks has been an amazing gift because I was really, really sick. Whatever everybody else has caught, I had the same thing. And it was wicked. It was not okay. It was not fun. It was really really hard for the first week and a half and that's another reason why some things are out of order the coyote's comfort will be done i'm going to have it done as the next episode i just didn't quite have all those notes in order and i knew i could get wicked and the wallflower together very quickly i sounded like Minnie mouse on helium completely off my chain off Ooh, it was just bad let's put it that way and having those conversations and, and hearing what you guys were thinking it made me feel like this is something that is worth putting the effort into because like I said, I can talk to myself all day long. I talk to inanimate objects. Trust me, talking to people, not really a problem. Myself, even easier. But you guys make it so much more for me and all the ratings I've gotten, all the support. I mean, the Lady Pod Squad, the Pottern family, and one of the groups that I'm in, are amazing and I have found so many cool things to read and so many cool things to kind of respond to and I just want you guys to know that that everything that you do everything that you kind of feedback loop and include me in or push me to listen to a podcast or a book you know anything I do appreciate that and I appreciate the time you guys take to listen to this thing every single time something comes up so thank you unbelievably so much. Now, the gushy stuff is over. So in just a second, you're going to listen to a promo for 
Mouse and Weens, who is part of the Lady Pod Squad, and they're 18 kinds of awesome. So give them a listen, see what you think. Oh, by the way, what do you think should be in my promo? Like, what are the best things that you have found about the podcast? I want to know because I want to put something together, but I don't really know what catches, you know, the audience's attention because the way I respond to podcasts is different from everybody else. So I'm just trying to get it all group. So if you guys could let me know, like, what your favorite bits of this podcast are, that would be amazing and that would be very, very helpful for me. And please don't mind my crunching little bones and my knuckles and stuff. Kind of appropriate considering we're doing Wicked on the Wallflower later anyway, right? Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens. <laughs> we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. I'm the mom that lives in suburbia with three kids. I'm Blalone. <laughs> She's the hot Hollywood cat lady. <laughs> and we have a fun podcast where we talk about life, love, and loneliness. <laughs> Pubic hair. Come oh, on. I'm sorry. We hope you come take a listen to us. We're on all the platforms, and we will see you soon. I have PMS. <laughs> Okay, so welcome to the review of Wicked and the Wallflower. I read the book about a month ago when I was sick because when you're sick, you don't want to do anything except hide under the blanket and your Kindle can go anywhere you want it to, including under the blanket. And at the time I didn't have heat. So yo, I was all about it. I had like three blankets on top of me and I was just reading like a reading thing. I've never read Sarah McLean. I hope I'm saying that name right. I've never read her, but you know, she's been recommended and she's got a great following and she wrecks other books. So I thought, Hey, why not? And at the time there was a sale. It was the same time that a Duke by default was on sale as well. And that's another episode that's coming. I promise. The thing that I love the most about Wicked and the Wallflower is Felicity Faircloth was a badass. Like, I don't mean a little badass. I mean, this woman was 27. She was on the shelf. She had turned down proposals because the people that were proposing were not worth her time and her energy. And I thought that was hella cool because you don't really hear about that a lot where, you know, women are like, oh no, because in regencies you hear and you read about how people are kind of like running to the marriage mart and trying to find that goal and all the mamas and the matchmaking and all that kind of stuff. So it was a nice change. And I like the fact that she wasn't entirely a character I'd read before. There were some similarities to other ones, which I'll get to in a few minutes, but in general, she kind of stood out to me. Here is a Felicity Faircloth. Her father is a Marquis, Marquisite, something like that. Anyway, there's a chance that he's going to be a fairly affluential person, and he was, and they lost all their money, which God forbid you tell the women about that. No, no, don't tell them about, you know, the shit that involves their life. God forbid. So she's got a twin who is part of this really bad idea of talking about having no money and being poorer and... Uh, yeah, yeah. I really hate when men talk around women and not to them. It drives me freaking crazy, I guess, as a woman. Modern times or not, empathy is a thing. However... I had a few points that I thought she was fantastic on, and I'm going to tell you what they are. One of my favorite things about her was her independence. Like I mentioned before, she wasn't taking a marriage proposal just because it was offered. She knew she deserved more, she knew she should have more, and that was really, really important. Totally helpful. 
kind of a blue stocking by design because she was smart. She was educated. She was not empty headed. She was very willing to negotiate on some things as she needed to, but she wasn't going to be backed down. And her tenacity is amazing. She doesn't give up. Like, if she wants to do something, she will. And when she declares the Duke of Marwick to be the winner of her hand, she does everything, including working with the devil to gain the entry back to society while solidifying her family's standings after she's kind of told what she must do. But she does it in a way that's very understanding of the world that she's in. She's not going to run from it. She's not happy about it, but she'll do what she needs to do to help her family. Which I will say, I don't like it when women have to sacrifice for the sake of their families because, yo, y'all are all grown people. Get your own fucking problems for yourself. But she was super confident, too. She doesn't worry about if it's okay to walk away from something. That's part of the independence. But she's confident in the decision. You know, she walks from the Mayfair sidewalls to Covenant Garden and finds her ways through. And she doesn't worry about it. And I think that's really cool and very important because it's not always easy to find that. When Devil and Felicity meet, they are together. And when they are together, it's because she's at the ball at the Marwick house, which is, of course, the Duke's residence, because he's come back into town after disappearing for like 20 years. And he's like the most eligible bachelor. What I found interesting is, is the fact that Devil creates this whole thing where they're talking, and then he shows up in her house afterwards. She declares she's engaged to the Devil's brother, because the Duke is the Devil's brother without a whole lot of blah, 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 blah. Anyway, what I find interesting is, is he shows up in her room by climbing under her balcony and climbing up trees. I mean, I didn't find that particularly engaging in Edward Cullen. Not finding it particularly good here. It's kind of 18 kinds of creepy. But what I find is, what I found interesting is the fact that he makes all these promises, blah, 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 blah. And then he gives her his card and says, okay, you need to call me if something comes up or I can help you get the Duke, blah, 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 because he's positioning himself as not necessarily a fan, but more of a helpmate. And she doesn't know what it's for, but you don't look a gift horse in the mouth, especially if you're 27 on the shelf and your family has told you that they're broke now. So you got to do what you got to do. But what I found the most fun was the fact that she went and did the same thing to him. He thought he had picked this kind of empty-headed not so bright woman to get something done and it turns out she's kind of smart and she's kind of talented at what she does and there's a point where they have this moment which i'll discuss in a few minutes in the favorite scenes she has no compunction about going into like a pretty rough area and finding out more because if you're going to give her a card you better expect her to come visit right i mean you gave the card it told you what to look for the bare knuckled bastards for a reason to explain the scene that I love, one of my favorite things is she kind of puts him on edge. She doesn't let him get away with anything. And so to turn the tables, he decides to go take a bath because his workers and his servants have been filling the bathtub up for that. She's like, oh no, I'm fine. And she just sits on the bed and waits. And he goes in and starts taking a shower, bath, whatever. And she goes in there and they talk or whatever and they have communications. And he's like, how women are very prone to like, getting attraction, blah, 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 blah. Not being, and he's like, and men can't keep our hands off of somebody, blah, 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 blah. And she's just like, mm -hmm. and she goes, interesting, she replied, because it could be said that you were, were just moments ago wearing something with skin, and my hands somehow remarkably remain quite far from your person. And she grinned, I slobbered not at all. And that 
made me laugh so hard because it was it sounded exactly like a Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing line. I slavered not at all. Oh, that is such a Beatrice type line. And I really appreciated that kind of smart commentary. And speaking of commentary, I like the fact that she lockpicks. Like, she's an excellent lockpick. She knows what she's going for. She's always had this talent. Her family has always been ashamed, but for her, it makes sense. And her reasonings are really freaking sound. I mean, when someone puts up roadblocks, when someone says you can't do something just because you're a woman, when they deny you the right to make your own decisions, you have to find another solution, right? And that's exactly what she does. The world is full of doors. Lord knew that was true. I like being able to open my own doors. As women, how many times do we say that? So many, right? But even more importantly, our whole world is built by men for them, and we're simply here for decoration, brought in at the end of everything important. Well, I grow tired of locks. Locks are beginnings. And I get that, because we have glass ceilings. We have limitations based on pay, on race on gender and i do mean gender because you have people saying that trans women are not really women and trans women are absolutely women these are women like no questions asked and so i think that it needs to be talked about a bit more and i love the fact that felicity understands the reality of being a woman in a society that kind of wants to squirrel you away and keep you away from anything that could possibly be useful the other thing is, she simply puts it as, why should others be the ones to decide what doors are for me? And isn't that what we all say as women? Don't we all say that we have the right to make our own choices, our own autonomy, our own direction, our own path, and our own journeys? Okay, so one thing I was not particularly fond of was her need to fit in and be accepted by her social circle. I really didn't think that fit her personality at all and it really bothered me. It wasn't something that really grabbed my interest or maintained my wanting to listen, especially because she wanted to fit in with these people that were cruel to her. Utterly and completely cruel. There's a scene where in the beginning she meets up with these former friends, former social groups, former acquaintances, former pains in the ass, whatever you want to call them. And they're making fun of her because she's standing around listening, but she's not listening to be rude. She's just listening because why not? One of my favorite times where I really enjoyed her was when she stood up to them. Even in that moment, even though it didn't end well, she still stood up to them. Poor Natasha, she said, mimicking the other woman's earlier tone. Come now, you think I do not know you? I know you better than anyone's here. Unmarried, just as I am, plain, just as I am, terrified of being shelved, as I have been. Natasha's eyes went wide at the door scripter. Felicia went in for the final blow, wishing to punish this woman the most, this woman who had played so well at being her friend and then had hurt her so well. And when you are, this lot won't back to you. The nightingale whistled again. No, not the nightingale. It was a different kind of whistle, low and long. She never heard a bird like that, or perhaps it was the thrum of her heart that made the sound strange. Spurred on, she turned to the newest additions to the group, whose wide eyes were fixed upon her. Do you know, my grandmother used to caution me to beware. She was fond of saying one could judge a man by his friends. The adage is more than true with this group, and you should watch yourselves lest you be tainted by their suit. She turned to the door. I, for one, count my lucky. I escaped them when I did. And I think that's kind of a great description of what she's gone through in a social group and and why I don't necessarily follow the track of her wanting to be like them or be with them it just it doesn't fit 
I would say that there was a couple things I wish that the author had done differently with the women, and two women in particular, Natasha, because she was such a mean girl and a character that obviously had no value unless she found value for you. And Felicity's mom is very much the same way, I think, because Felicity's mom knew what was going on about the lack of money and basically trying to sell her kid and nothing. There was no communication. There was no, hey, heads up, this is what's going on. She just pretended like her 27-year-old daughter didn't deserve that priority and that option. And that just really bothered me. Now, who is she like? I would say she's probably a lot like Lady Sarah Frampton in Eva Lee's Temptations of a Wallflower, which was episode five. They've got that, that very like isolated, away from most people idea. And there's a lack of companionship and friendships and just relationships, honestly. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's definitely there. And I'm at least glad that, you know, they kind of stood up for themselves. But I wish that they had had friendships. Both women had had friendships outside of the men in their lives. That they had kind of picked up someone else and gotten together and had a relationship that was stronger without the means of a man, which... This is one thing I do like about like Tessa Dare books because Tessa Dare does a really good job of creating a social group of women that are outside the men in their lives. Like they may be introduced, but it's a very quick thing. Like it's just not a priority so much as the women. It's another reason I think that I, I, read, I read more books and I kind of want that more and more in the era of Me Too. And the era for Me Too kind of sucks. So I'd like to not have to deal with that. Now, let's talk about Devil. Devil is the hero of the story, and he is also known as Devin. He kind of sucked about 10% is what I wrote, but as I was thinking about it, it was probably closer to about 18, because there's two things that, that lend him to that. 10% is entirely based on the fact he creeped in Felicity's room and was just waiting there. Shit wasn't cute with Edward Cullen, not going to be cute now. I'm sorry. I'm just not down for that. And then the other 8% was when he would talk over the women in his lives. Now, I don't mean that he disrespected them all the time, but sometimes he did. And that kind of bothers me because I like it when, when the male characters are a little less aggressive and alpha, I guess. You know, alpha hole, asshole, whatever you want to call it. But it really wasn't that engaging. But he does love his family. Whether it's the one that he's made, the one he was thrown into, the one that shows up like a wife. He loves his family and he sticks close to them. So that kind of balances out a good portion of the other shit. And when you're talking about his, you know, his family, I would definitely say that there's a pretty strong bond between two of his siblings and the third is not. And I'll get into that in a second. But the first sibling is Dahlia, I think. I suck at saying this name. I see it all the time and I go, I think. But I love the fact that she's very entrepreneurial. She owns basically a women's brothel where women can go find men to sleep with, which I really appreciate that and I find it to be highly entertaining. And I think she's a good balancer to Devil's reactions because he's so deep into protecting his family and so is she. But they do it in different ways, and I think it really worked. Because Wit and Devil became the bare-knuckle bastards when they started fighting and making their money and making their rounds and consolidating their powers. And Dahlia wasn't far behind because she was smart enough to see the areas that they weren't filling in that. And it really worked out, I think, as a group, especially when they had to start over together in Covenant Garden and 
Yeah, no. It's not the easiest place to start. And I like the fact that she and Felicity have a lot in common in their reactions to Devil. And I think it really works out. Because when Felicity showed up at his house unexpected, which is only fair. I mean, he did the same to her. When that happened, Dahlia was like, ooh, this is interesting. I have no idea what's going on, but I want to watch the scene. And she does. And at one point, he kind of gets grumbly with both of them. And Felicity bristled at the sharp tone. You shouldn't speak to her that way. The other woman grinned at that. I completely agree. Felicity turned. I think I shall go. You should not have come, he said. Oi, you certainly shouldn't speak to her that way, the woman said. Devil looked at the ceiling as though asking for patience. And I have a feeling that's going to be the rest of his life. And I am all for it because that's what you get when you act like an idiot around women. And then you have Wit, who is his brother, his other bare-knuckled bastard, who is a fighter, who makes money, who gambles, who runs a little bit of all the parts of their crime syndicate. Because, you know, there are smugglers. Obviously, they run the rings and they do all kinds of stuff in, in the less tonish part of London. And I think that's really interesting. It's Mayfair to the area you go to dalliance with women, but you don't actually bring them back to you as it were. He's a lot like Devil, but he's quieter, I think, and he's a lot more willing to go up against Devil as needed. And I think that that's a good balance as well, because someone has to challenge the more assertive person, because someone has to be able to say, yo, that's fucked up, and no, we can't do that. And he loves Dahlia just as much, and when something happens and all that changes, he is definitely there for everything that needs to go on. And in the climax of this book, he's fine with that. And then, of course, for the final brother, you have Ewan, who, of course, is the Duke of Marwick, <laughs> Felicity's intended, the one that, that is fighting up against them. And Ewan is kind of like the anti-guy, like you don't necessarily want to be on his side, which is reasonable because he's kind of a dickhead. I mean... Their relationship started out pretty fucked up because you read it in the prologue where the former Duke, their dad, had kids and all in rapid succession and they all had a claim to the dukedom, but things didn't always go the right way and Ewan was willing to sell them out in a Hunger Games style existence in order to have something that would give him power but not a whole lot of social connections and he kind of lost his ever mind when they left and Grace, who Dahlia, left with them. And there's just this whole fucked up thing. And I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of Marwick. I think he was almost too evil in some points. And he kind of overshot a couple of scenes. But I was like, okay. As mentioned, their meet cute was, of course, at the outside of the Marwick house when they were doing all their diddying and, and having those conversations about how to get the Duke on her side and why she was hiding and all kinds of stuff. I wasn't necessarily a Fan, but I understood the reasoning for it so I went with it. The second time of course was when he showed up in her bedroom. Again creepy as fuck. I'm not gonna be okay with that scene. I'm sorry it's just never happening. Creepy. But Felicity is very accurate in her assessments of his failures and I kind of like her descriptions of him in those moments. Like she called him an adult-pated cabbage head. I have no idea what that means but it sounds like an insult don't it? I'm down with it. And their sex scenes were well done. There's a couple of really great ones where they're kind of exploring. And I'm all for foreplay before the PIV. But 
I more appreciated that build up, that slow kind of connection, how they had their moments and how they kind of got together. I think it really works out really well. And I appreciated the fact that in that slow build up, she got to maintain her autonomy through the entire scenes. Because sometimes I think in romance books, there's a lot of miscommunication during the sex scenes and that kind of always squicks me out because how do you consent with something and you don't understand what's going on in the end? But their attraction is far more enjoyable, the build up, the slow burn in some ways, the slow burn of love, like the attraction of personalities, not necessarily the sexual attraction. And she asked him at one point why he keeps lying to her. And he kind of brushes it off and moves on to the next thing. And she's like, no, I really want to know. And he says, I want you. And her reply kind of gives a lot away. But his response to that gives everything away, I think. Another lie, she whispered. But she leaned in and kissed him anyway, feeling his desire, matching it with her own. When the kiss ended, they were both panting. He wrapped a large, firm hand around the back of her neck and pressed his forehead to hers. He closed his eyes and said, achingly soft, it's the only truth. I want you. I never in my life even dreamed of wanting something like you. Something pristine and perfect. He opened his eyes, finding hers instantly. It's like wanting sunlight. And oh my God, haven't we always wanted that? Like not everybody, but like haven't more and more women wanted that? Haven't we been attracted to that idea of being wanted for everything that we bring? Like to shine a light on a guy or a girl and go, okay, this is everything. And there's just something so solid in that moment that kind of leads up to a lot of their play and their funny little comments. But it, in that moment, you kind of see where he's a lot more open and vulnerable. And I think that's an important kind of thing to acknowledge. And of course, they get together in the end because it's a romance and happily ever after is like mandatory at this point. It's part of the genre. It's part of our tropes. But I really am so glad they ended up keeping her autonomy after it was stripped from her in the beginning in a couple of different ways. And I appreciated the fact that they showed that because it's not easy loving a crime boss and being involved in that world. So would I reread or would I not? I'm definitely rereading this when the next book comes out because I'm going to need to remember the world that I was looking at and that I was playing in and what was going on. And I think it's a very important element because a lot of times in the historical London romances, you get more of the social upper class, the aristocrats, and this time you get the other side of it. And you get to see what life is like in an area where you have to struggle to survive your own way. Would I reread Sarah McLean? If her women continue to be like this, absolutely, because this was my first read of hers. And I loved Felicity. I thought that she was very much the character that I wanted her to be. Even with a few of those flaws, I really felt like she was a strong character. She was a strong representative. She's what we kind of need to find sometimes. Because I like women that don't put up with shit and they can explain why their reasonings are sound to themselves. Not to anybody else, but who can say, this, this, and this is why I like that, that, and that. And I think that's really important because in the world that's going on right now, sometimes a lot of us need agency we may not get any other time. We need to be able to want to be the heroes and we also maybe want to have the heroes as our friends. So that's my review of Wicked and the Wallflower this time. In recap, don't climb in any windows, don't climb any trees, don't be fucking creepy, and you'll be fine.
And now for the featured podcast. There's a couple of them that I could have done, and there's one that I've been listening to nonstop. But I really want to talk about What's Her Name because it's a podcast that focuses on women who remain buried in history or maybe are kind of side-noted along the way. And I think that's kind of dumb in a lot of ways because women have been changing history for forever in different ways that they do it. One episode could talk about why the first bookmobiles came to be. The woman that championed it, the one that, you know, was focusing on it because in rural areas that are like 100 miles away from the next major town or 55, 60 miles from the local library, bookmobiles are amazing things. Don't get me wrong, as some of us go towards more digital reading and we have different services like Hoopla or Overdrive or there's a couple more, that's great. But if you don't have internet because you're so far out of town or if you do have internet, it's like that satellite internet that kind of sucks. It's books are an escape from the world that you're in and in a world that doesn't get a lot of funding. So I think it's an important topic. And I think it's relevant to what we're seeing nowadays as more and more people become less able to afford the fineries. The economy kind of tumbles, living costs keep rising, and then, you know, wages stay low. I just think it's really cool. And they also had another episode where they talked about a revolutionary Muslim actress who survived Tsar Nicholas II and both world wars. Each episode features music connected to the featured woman. And they also have these great collectible cards that talk about the women they've covered. They look to be about the size of like the Magic the Gathering size cards. And you can trade them and you can see them and it just creates this really nice deck, I think, especially for teachers to kind of show, okay, these are the women in the world and this is what we're doing. So I'm totally down for it. You can find them on most podcatchers. I usually listen to them on iTunes because that's how I roll in my life. Because I just transfer things to and from my phone all the time instead of having like 15 different apps. And their website is whatshernamepodcast.com and their Twitter handle is whatshernamepc. I definitely recommend checking them out, talking to them, you know, seeing if there's maybe a woman that you think should be featured that maybe has been forgotten. And that's my wreck of the day. What's her name? Is it all today? Okay guys, we have reviewed Wicked and the Wallflower, which is all over the place. And I know it's just been really weird being sick for almost three weeks. It happened the day after Christmas. And then I moved on January 1st. So there's been a lot of craziness in the past couple months. So now we're done with the episode. And I want to thank Jen Ellens again for, you know, talking to me, feeding back, giving me all kinds of points of view. I also want to thank Bad at Love, who listened to a couple episodes and is giving me some tips on what may be interesting because I don't really know what's going to attract an audience, if that makes sense. And that sounds weird considering you guys are listening to me. But what I mean is, is I'm not very good at marketing it. And so all those kind of things help. And that's why I keep asking, you know, what you guys are interested in because I want to focus and I want to streamline into a podcast that you guys are interested in. I definitely want to thank Mouse and Weens for letting me feature their promo. The two sisters are hilarious. They are a blast on Twitter at Mouse and Weens. And I want to thank every single person who has listened, who's reviewed, who has given any kind of anything to this podcast. I think it's amazing. And I truly appreciate everything you guys are doing. 
If you guys want to join the Patreon, I actually do have some episode up. I'm trying to get them done, but again, the sickness seriously took away about the three I was going to record. So I've got to find the time in working, you know, almost 40 hour weeks right now to kind of balance it. But I'm working on it as fast as I can. The episode is uh, A Girl Like Her by Talia Hibbert. And it features Sven, you know, regular guest of the show. And we talk about it a bit more because it falls into his autistic observations and as well as we talk a little bit more about our relationship and if you want to check that out it's at patreon.com slash damsels podcast as is twitter (laughs) instagram i have a facebook page but i don't update it nearly as much as i do twitter and occasionally instagram those are the best to catch me at right now because i can do those on the fly i thank you guys and i'll see you next time Mm -hmm.